we are, 12 rows back, back on air. We've completed round 20. As we say every week, we, we've learnt more. This was a fascinating round, round 20. Plenty to get through, plenty to discuss. I can't wait to do it. We're two witty and insightful blokes with a take that is something to be heard around the globe. I'm here with my co-host, Seb. Seb, how are you travelling? Fantastic, Tom. Another round in the books. We are into August. This is the month where uh, final spots are made, positions are solidified in the top eight, and uh, also at the bottom end of the ladder. Uh, Position draft order is starting to really take shape. Uh, So while there might seem some dead rubbers coming up, there's certainly a lot to play for for all teams involved. I like it, Seb. Yep, weather's getting that that little bit warmer. And and like you say, we've got little sections of the ladder to just to have a look at all over the place. I mean, that, that eighth spot, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure we've got another new team in eighth spot. We've had one, I think, a different team there for the last four or five weeks. Uh, no one's solidifying that spot, and that there's a lot of attention there. But now, you know, that, that top four, I mean, uh, the door's open, but it's it's not Brisbane that's knocking. It's now Sydney. It's it's all happening. And then the pies sort of stunned us with the results over the weekend. So that, that spoon battle... Just gets more intriguing. So there's there's a lot to cover. I mean, how how did you see? I guess what jumped out to you in this round off the top? Well, West Coast are officially in no man's land. Um, they are. It's quite ironic because they came into they played a final last year and they were playing Collingwood, who were eighth, and it was a bit like, oh yeah, Collingwood are making up the numbers here. West Coast will smash them at home, and yeah. the complete opposite happened. Um, Collingwood since dropped off and now West Coast looked like earlier in the year they were going to set themselves for a... I didn't... I had them real close to the top four, potentially cracking in, but their recent performances have just been... It's the worst I've ever seen from a side in the eight to be playing that sort of footy. Um, And when you've got a club legend, Tom, can you tell me how many players from West Coast have ever played 300 games for the club? Jeez, I don't know if anyone's ever done Shannon Hearn. That's the start that's of the it. list. That's the end of the list. And they trot that out yeah. against... They weren't playing a good side. They were playing Collingwood, who a bit revitalised under your, your man Bob Harvey. Um, but for a side that's in the eight, wanting to do something come finals time, it was pathetic. And they traded a few first-round picks. You know, Tim Kelly. I don't think they've used a first-round pick in the last three years. That is going to really bite them in the next two years. They're going to come crashing back to earth. And uh, Simo's got a job cut out for him over over in the West. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we had supreme trust in the Eagles, no matter sort of over the... Even, I guess, since their flag, we just sort of assume, given, you know, the massive home ground advantage and then they're just their pure on-paper list, you know, front midfield and uh, sorry forward midfield and back you know they they sort of had all the ingredients you'd expect so even if they had a bad loss we always we always say oh no they'll be okay they've got yeah great list home ground advantage and 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 I I don't think they've really fired a shot since that flag so you know it's it's sort of yeah I hope the West Coast fans listening are okay hearing this but is is there a sound of of a window shutting Oh, yeah, it was, I reckon it was slammed shut a few weeks ago when North <laughs> rolled them, to be honest. Yeah, um, that's probably fair. They, look, they're, they're, at this stage, I, I still think they'll play finals um, just based on their 
their run home. What is it? It's Melbourne at home, Frio, Brisbane. They've really only... Tricky, mm. but, you know... It, look, it if, comes if they, down to that game against Freo. If they yeah. lose that, they could drop out. Ultimately, it's disappointing, but... Just going back to your point about the, the trust we had. You sort of had to have it in them. They were, they were a really, really, really good side. Yeah, absolutely. When they won the flag the year after, they were really tough and they're formidable at home. And, you know, they got... You know, you got McGovern down back. Nat Nui in the ruck giving your first use or getting clearances... Um, Shuey, Kelly, Gaff, Yo, you got Kennedy Darling up forward and Oscar Allen coming through, who at the start of the year was having a real impact. And in the last probably month to last couple of months, he's been shuffled all around the ground and has lost a bit of continuity in his footy. So, yeah, there's a lot of questions being asked of them at the moment. I know they've been shot with injuries, but um, that doesn't. Excuse well, me, yeah, I guess saw on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking the medium, but I guess, yeah, since that 2018, I mean, yeah, after that flag, Nick Nat, Gaff, I think Shepard, they were going to come back into that premiership winning side and we were sort of thinking dynasty over out west. So for what we've seen since in 2019-20 and now 2021, it, yeah, they really, yeah, haven't fired a shot since. So look, it, it's massively disappointing. But look, yeah, Crazily enough, they're sitting seventh, and they they might just hold on to that spot. And look, who knows? They could surprise and win a final here and there. But look, when you're playing the footy, they dished up on the weekend. It's it's sort of hard to see that. But this crazy season, teams seem to be just flicking it on and off week to week. So I, look, they're they're a huge unknown, but they're they're a huge disappointment as well. So look. I'll, I'll thank them personally, though, because if they are the team that's getting the, the boots uh, this week, they've probably taken a little bit of heat off my boys, the Saints. Uh, so why don't we just get into the uh, the uni grades and, and get this one done? Uh, few messages, I'd love to. few messages Happy I'm to. getting. Uh, Saints win, we get 20 minutes. Saints lose, we get 20 minutes. Well, I'll save you the trouble. I'll keep it short and sharp. We're off to the coordinator. You cannot dish up a performance like that to uh, a Carlton side. We sat here last week and I was actually toey because I just felt that we have lost this game in the past. You, you sat pretty comfortably saying, look, you're not, don't worry, Tom, the ruse, you know, we gave them a touch up. You'll, you'll handle them. We just didn't handle them. I mean, our ball use was just hard to watch. Just, it just was subpar for an AFL side. Look, I know Carlton kick straight and they can probably have that as a feather in their cap to sort of, I guess, I mean, what were they, 18-4? I think that's the most accurate performance in the club's history. So, look, grain of salt there, but the game was done at three-quarter time. We padded the scoreboard late. Um, it, it was massively disappointing. I mean, we controlled the ball. I mean, Steele, Jones, Dunson, Crouch, 27 and above. No, no Carlton player near them. But it didn't matter because, yeah, the, the Blues just, I guess, just use it better, hunt it better, use it better going forward. Um, yeah, we're off to the coordinator, and, and I'll do something nice for you Blues fans out there uh, as you celebrate that game with uh, Big Harry kicking five and Sammy Walsh, another three as a midfielder. Um, you can have a, a HD. That's the win of the year for you. We thought Teague lost the players. Clearly, they want to play for him given this performance. Um, look, yeah. Great to see, I guess, the Mackay-King shootout. Nine goals between them. That's probably about it. That's enough of that game, I reckon. Blues fans, well done. Take the HD and run. Saints off to the coordinator again. Line almost through the season. I'm only hanging on to mathematical, and I'm probably up to the A in that, in that word as to how far through it I am. 
Yeah, so I'm really glad you spent the whole time talking about the Saints in what was really a comprehensive Carlton history. <laughs> um, just, you've really planted the flag there. Uh, before I grade this game, I want to, um, you might be able to help me here. I didn't finish uni, so I don't fully comprehend some of these sorts of grades. But um, I think last week's Saints grade has to get downgraded um, on the back of you just lost to the Eagles who are travelling about as well as some VFL sides. And then you've dished up this against Carlton. So it's not the bell curve because that is everyone else's grades either pushing you up or dragging you down. But it's some sort of... It's like it's a two-part assignment. And they go together <laughs> and you're off to the coordinator. Nah, well, really that's fair. Really last mean, week. Because yeah. you were never really in it last week. I've had this pointed out to me and, and I'll be the first to put my hand up and say I cannot watch every game. I watch parts of most games. Uh, I know some contingent think I don't watch any SNN games, just love to pot them. That might be true, that might not be. You'll see. Could be a good grade coming up, could not be, Bombers fans. Stay tuned. Um, but, yes, coordinator for the Saints, Tom. And uh, really, like, you're in, you're in. if you want to talk uni terms, you're in week 10 of a 12-week semester and the professor's just tapped you on the shoulder and said, look, unless you get 100% on your next three assignments. Yeah. You're not passing the course this year. Correct, and they're, they're big two-hour exams. They're not, uh, not you know, group assignments you can wing. No, no. So, having said that, I do think some credit should go to the Blues for responding and responding really strongly. Um, Max King threatened to sort of tear the game apart. Weedering had seven kicked on him last week and three in the first quarter this week. Easy for players to look. Easy for players in general to go into their shell um, when you're on a team that hasn't been travelling well, and then you have that, and then this is how you start the following week. I wouldn't have blamed him if it started to get worse, but he fought right back and after quarter time had the points on Max King. But that might be more due to the midfield stepping up and putting on some pressure. Um, Carlton kicked five goals, five goals, five goals, three goals, so they were right in it. Sort of look, they dominated siren to siren, really. A couple of extra goals for the Saints in the last quarter. Yeah, do, um, you, do you put any weight to Paddy Ryder being a late out affecting this game in any way? So, who are the Saints? Who, who's Carlton's Ruckman? Well, I think their Ruckman was out too, actually, on the night. So, so they, they played the Coning and Silvani. Yeah. So, you need Paddy Ryder to get through that mix. I, I can't understand the reliance, but no, no, that's that's. that's a, I genuinely me. bring it up um, as a as a concern because yeah, we just just lack ruck depth, you know. Oh yeah, we're talking up and coming ruckman, I guess, for the Blues, but um, yeah, that, it's a, it's a concern, and it, it has been all year. So, I'll, but I'll I think I could one. I could have gone up against De Koning and impacted him by just straight running into him. Well, yeah, I mean, that's like probably what they should have been telling Paul Hunter. So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here going, what happened here, Saints? But, yeah, it's it's up in the coach's box. It's down. Look, it's a whole range of things. I'm talking about the Saints again. I, I, I do want to give yeah. credit to the Blues. They were the better side. Um, yeah. Jack Silvani had his best um, game, I reckon, that I've seen maybe in his career. Yeah, so um, they found Honey come in, jagged a couple. I'm stunned to hear Carlton are looking... It's more more and more likely by the day that Eddie Betts is going to get another year. No. Oh, that's what, I, that's what the, the, the... The jungle drums, the drums are, beating. are beating. Oh, jeez. Um, but, look, 
if he's holding someone out, I think Eddie's actually mature enough to say, yep, I might only play 10 or 12 games, but I just love footy. I want to be around the club. And I think it's that sort of deal. Um, yep. You know, like for Honey to come in, kick two, just give some excitement to the Blues fans. We've probably lacked a little bit of that this year. It was fantastic. Um, if you can explain to me why no one wanted to stand near Sam Walsh for parts of this game, I'd love to know. Like, he's sitting 25 metres out from goal, no one near him. Now, yeah. I think he got defensive structures. No, but I know. Well, look, on. for the Blues, you know, fans out there, to see, you know, Kennedy, Dow, O'Brien, you know, getting some big numbers, they are mids that you want playing in the midfield. I think there's a bit of scattered approach they are genuine mids play them in the midfield let them get some form it's been a Carlton issue going I guess throughout the last decade and maybe more you drafted them as mids play them as mids that's how they're going to learn this is the time to do it late in a season when look now they've got a slight door ajar to the finals which is always pointed out because Carlton and all their supporters do pump them up so see how that goes but yeah you draft mids, you play them as mids. I think, yeah, Tiggy's just got to do the old keep it simple, stupid, and just do that. Yep. And uh, it was good to see Charlie Kernow back. He didn't have a huge impact, but kicked a ripping goal from outside yeah, 50. Yeah, off a step. Um, and just good to have him back. Um, he's going to be a serious player for Carlton, so, as long as he can stay healthy. So high distinction for the Blues from me as well, Tom. Yeah, there you go. So just for our listeners there, I have I, I keep stats on the grades we give and we will do a special uh, once the season's done on the whole grades. But I can say just as a little snippet, the Blues have not troubled the high distinction category this year. So to get two from us is a season's best. So enjoy that, Blues fans. Uh, the Dogs took on the Crows. Uh, this one in uh, Ballarat, which nice and handy for the Dogs there. Nice and early, 12-10 uh, on the Saturday. Uh, this probably played out as you'd expect uh, for the Dogs. I mean, did what they have to do. They're still working out, I guess, how that forward line works. But you get Bruce and Oogle Hagen kicking a couple. Um, you know, Norton and Waitman, they've got options galore up forward. I guess that's a tick for them. Uh, I mean, McRae, he, he always gets his possessions. But you've got, you know... Caleb Daniel, Bailey Dale dominating the stat sheet there. Um, and they just, it, it was just, a, I guess, a, a genuine four-quarter performance from them. Maybe that third quarter they'd slip slightly, but it, it was as as you'd expect. You, you sort of thought, well, oh, geez, in Ballarat too, this, this one could be sort of heading towards 10 goals. So I, I think, yeah, to be honest, it's a pass for the dogs. I, that's probably what I've expected from them. It is a high standard. I'm keeping them too, but um, that, that's probably what I give them there. Um, and and the Crows, I guess, look, they a little early form patch where, yeah, I think they were sitting in the eight maybe after round four or five and, and sort of look threatening. It's It's been the season we probably expected from the Wooden Spooner since. Um, you know, it's, it's that long year. It's the young kids. It's... I mean, yeah, Sloan, Laird, Smith. I mean, they're leading the charge. I think that the 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 fitness levels just aren't there in this young side, and they'll come. Um, but yeah, look, I don't think any Adelaide fans. I mean, they wouldn't like the result, but they probably wouldn't have expected uh, anything too different. So uh, I think it's just a double pass for me in this one. Yeah. So I um I might be a bit harsher, but forty nine points is not that far off ten goals, Tom. It's not a you you can't be trotting that out and expect to sort of go places with your footy club. 
Um, the dogs are good. The dogs are good in Ballarat, but Adelaide showed a lot early. They fluked two wins against Geelong and Melbourne, which by that rights Geelong, probably shouldn't have. Geelong that, was um, business. Outlier as we've seen this year, that yeah, result. So that's second and third on the ladder, and Adelaide have won six games. So, like, more more power to them, but that puts them back on four wins, same as North on the bottom of the ladder. So um, they've earned them, they deserve them, but, um, yeah, they, I think those two wins skew a little bit of their year. Um, Bont was very quiet, just a 15 and a goal. Um, don't know if there's anything about that or he just thought, I'm cruising today. This is not this is not what I'm about. I'm about finals footy. Um, I'll give the dogs a pass. They beat up on an ordinary mob. Adelaide. Um, it's a fail. Didn't expect them to win. They didn't put up much of a fight anymore. You know, it was ten goals plus. It might be a coordinated job for just. I get we're in now in August, but lack of fight, lack of uh, fighting the game out. You. You don't want to see that in your club late in the year just because you get into the end of the year. You really don't want to see it. And there's some big candidates for it in the next few weeks. Some of those bottom clubs playing some good sides, there's a high chance it might be a big blowout. Uh, so speaking of low clubs playing top sides, our next game is North Melbourne Geelong, Tom. Yeah, down at the Did you catch any of it? The Fortress down in Tassie. Um, yeah, caught, caught bits and pieces of this one. Plucky effort from your ruse. You, um, uh, on Saturday, uh, yeah, out socially myself, uh, had a bit of a um, Saturday uh, out and about. And the talk of the ruse being the same as the D since round nine was rampant. So you're in form, you're playing some real good footy. And look... There is absolutely nothing to be ashamed of in this performance. I mean, uh, I know, yeah, down in your Tassie Fortress, but you're, you're playing some good good football at the moment without... I guess you have had wins. This is against a good side, but, um, you know, you, Simpkin, LDU, I mean, the, the youngsters continue. I Look, I see Hall here. He always gets his possessions there. I mean, Larky's kicked a couple. Good to see uh, young Curtis Taylor get on the score sheet. Um you know, even Josh, uh, sorry, Jack Marnie getting a slice of the action there. So, um, and big, of course, Adu, what a goal that was. Um, it, it, look, it, it was a plucky performance. It, it, look, this probably wasn't one for name a game, given the low-scoring nature, but um, I, I, I wouldn't be unhappy with the effort from your ruse. Um, for the Cats, I guess the standout for me was just the form, I guess, of... Uh, of young Zach Guthrie. I mean, he, he's sort of been in and out of the team. Um, you know, hasn't been able to nail his spot in the 22. Well, he had 28 and, and really, you know, had 13 marks. He really got into the game. And, and I mean, his brother had 29, but he, he we've known him to do that. He's an All-Australian. Um, you know, I guess it was led without danger and, and Selwood really, really going berserk. So, um, look, I'm going to do something rare here. The Cats, you're playing the bottom side, and I know this is classic Geelong, and they don't care about these games as long as they get the W, but you are the unbackable premiership favourite. It is your flag to lose. It would be one of the greatest chokes in Aussie sport if they didn't win the flag from here. So you're playing the bottom side. You're a team that can win anywhere. Uh, to dish this up and just really sneak the win, uh, I didn't. I didn't really like it from them, and I've done this to the D's. I don't like it when the good teams don't don't play serious footy against the bottom. So, 
for me, it's a pass for the Roos and a fail from the Cats. Yeah, right. Um, glad you can read a score sheet there, Tom. <laughs> Expert analysis from uh, watching next to nothing. Uh, although We've all been there. I think it's very harsh. Very harsh to fail the Cats for winning. Um, uh, look, the Cats are... They're just rolling. They're just going to bank these wins. They don't want to get injured. They're not going too crazy about trying to do too much with the ball or do too much here. Um, they're just finding a way. Class was a difference, and if they kicked a little straighter, it might have been a little bit further out of hand. Um, the reality is, what, North was 6-6 to I think 8-14 off the top of my head. Um, so a little bit of a difference there, but... Um, one person you missed was Ben Mackay held Tom Hawkins' goal to still about oh, seven, eight minutes to go. And it took the Hawk marking on the boundary line 35 out on the right side of the ground, which is the right side from him. You know, if you've, um, if you've watched the Channel 7 game, BT will tell you about his left to right, his natural arc. Yeah, and he just, like, he just slotted it and it just, it just broke my heart because we were a chance up until that point. Um, and I just I, um, I texted one of your mates and just said, yeah, he's he's just classy, the Hawk. He's just too good. And he was well beaten all day, and then he was a difference. It, like, he just stopped any chance we had of a fight back. Um, shout out to Eddie Ford, or as he's known down at the club, Elvis. Jagged his first goal. It was a good nickname coming. Um, and Sean Higgins played his 250th, so... Well done to him. That's a, that's a milestone. Chaired off by the two captains of both clubs. Obviously played, I think, of 104 or 107 for North. A couple of Sid Barkers in there. So well done. Um, pass for both for me. I'm not going to fail the Cats for winning. Winning footy is good footy, Tom. They can be hard to find. <laughs> yeah, look, well, I could say that sitting here from the Saints and uh, you you might uh, forgive me for some Cats bias there. Hello to our we've Cats already, listeners out there. We've already done the Saints game, Tom. <laughs> Yep. This would now have us on the Collingwood West Coast game, and uh, we sort of covered it a bit off the top. Spoiler alert: the West Coast are going to see the coordinator. Are you happy? With, is that enough? I'm borderline considering a suspended grade here. They might just be in that rare area. In fact, yep, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to give them a grade this week. Yeah, look, oh, look, it is what it is. There, they're still playing finals, but like, there's still a game and a half out. Ahead of the team in ninth, so that that is correct. But can you forgive them for losing to a bottom four side this late in the season? And it's it's not like it was an outlier. This kind of bad loss has been common this year. Well, it is in line with the flat track bully tag they have of not winning away from home, and this was at the G. Um, look, it's very hard to forgive that performance. They were not in the game one iota from the first bounce till the end. So very hard to forgive, but I'm just going to see the coordinator on this performance today. Um, just on the back of, I think it's real harsh to suspend someone in the last few weeks of uni, Tom. <laughs> yeah, they're probably a they little gotta, stiff, but uh, look, you, you had your week a grade. couple of weeks ago with about eight coordinator visits. You kept yourself busy. Uh, I might just suspend and just make it a little easier. Uh, I mean, the famous Pies win. You, you've got to love the form there. It's it's HD for them, surely. Yep, yep, easy HD for them. Um, Chrissy Main announced his retirement today. 
Yeah, um, I might have a question for you about him later in the old rapid fire. Yeah, good Frio man. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, it's really interesting what's happening at Collingwood because they seem to have the shackles off and they're playing free footy and they're just able to move the ball and score goals and you just go, well, where was that? Where was it? What like what's changed? It can't just be the coach has changed. That cannot be the only reason. No, well, I, I feel the whole season they've been able to put together these lightning patches of amazing footy, and I know you know they, they they've done it really recently. Uh, I know against, um, well, I mean they jumped the D's when they beat them, stormed home against the Saints. Um, you know they've jumped out of the blocks. I think against Carlton too. You could probably say. So look, they've got these amazing bursts of really high quality footy. It's just a matter of actually just being able to do it for four quarters. So yeah, look, you. Can, I don't know if that that's coaching or, or just the confidence that the group has. I guess maybe that does go back to coaching. I mean, if the coach can get that peak performance out of his group for more than like a quarter at a time, but. We can leave that for now because that, that's what they'll be working all off-season. You, you've just got to love as a Pies fan that really that first half, 10 goals to one, you know, half-time, it was all over celebration time. And, yeah. It, that is that is name-a-game territory for Pies fans. Oh, yeah, no. They they would be lining yeah. up for this if it was still a service and it probably should, still should be or at least available on some sort of platform. But On demand. Exactly. Jack Crisp, he he is the clubhouse leader. My man loved his form. He will win their Your BNF. Man. Yeah, claimed him a few weeks ago. Uh, well, I've, cl- yeah, I've right. had him in super coach for years. He is an unbelievable scorer. There's a tip. Um, yeah, the, he, he'll win their BNF. He he was unbelievable again, and he's he's put together a really consistent year for them. A, a bit of a shining light. Yeah, no, he's been excellent. Um, I won't say my man, but to go, he had another thirty odd. Uh, in in some nice form. I wonder if he's looking for a contract. Um, yeah, getting some real good numbers, isn't he? Yeah, they are. Uh, look, that side still has a lot of players they can send through the middle. Um, it's always been their forward structure that's really seemed to let them down. But hey, do you win like you win like that over West Coast, who they still probably hold a little bit of ill will to from that. Uh, oh, Oh, I was going to say I won't do it, but that Dom Sheed goal. Yeah. Uh, it's probably a free kick, wasn't it? Um, Any time they can beat West Coast, they're probably probably just a little bit more satisfying than you know some other wins you can have. So, uh, well done, Pies fans. Uh, that that might be season done for them, queuing the rack. Yeah. They probably won't play better than that. At the G2, a little, little bit of a out there grand final about it. Um, for COVID-related reasons, we got an absolutely stacked Sunday afternoon of footy. Five games on the Sunday, just a question without notice here. I mean, was it good for footy having this much footy crammed into one day? Was it was it too much for I the can't fans? Understand it. I can't understand this. We had five games on a Saturday regularly for years. We still do. No, no, I know. I'm, I'm asking more on the Sunday, did it work? Um, look, the Sunday night games are still very hard to watch when you've had a full round and day of games. Yeah. I think it works in the US because they don't play on Friday and Saturday nights. So you've just got Sunday and that's your day you watch football. Um, I didn't, I, yeah. Like the, the game of the round, 
or I guess the one game between two top eight sides. <laughs> Not this game again. Your favourite game, the Giants Port Adelaide blockbuster. Was scheduled Marvel Stadium at six ten. Like it was hidden in the in the depths of of the, the evening. So <laughs> is it um, the most hidden game of all time? Almost that one. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Well, let me come back to you. I reckon I can find a bigger, <laughs> bigger hidden game. But, um. I just, oh, it was good to see. Uh, I think if they're going to try and do it again, they've got to find the games that really matter come round 23 yeah. for, final, for that final eight spot. Um, who's playing who, which games are going to impact it. Try and line that up for the Saturday and that'd be a little, that'd be a little early preview into the finals. Um, but it started off with a fizzer. Oh, this was a disgraceful game to watch. Definitely not one for the name of game. Um, hang your heads in shame, Gold Coast Suns. This this was just, this was embarrassing. This was, yeah, we're we're looking at deep into the last quarter, and and they're stuck on basically three goals, and just looking like they weren't going to threaten it. It looked like it could have been sort of you know, twenty two twenty five to maybe even like it could have been a twenty goal margin. I think, um, you know, D sort of took the foot off the pedal in that last quarter, but. I mean, and it's not just the margin that gets you. It's just the total domination. I mean, 18 goals, 20 to, four, you know, four goals, six. So, what, 10 shots to 38. Uh, it, it was one-way traffic the, the whole time. Um, you, you mentioned Q in the rack. It, it, the Suns have put the Q in the rack, I think. And we'll touch upon the, the Clarko story later. But, uh, yeah, have have they sort of sniffed that there might be some change? And I don't know where Stewie Dewey is at with the playing group. Um, I don't know if you. Sometimes you get the feel that he's they're with each other, and sometimes you. I mean, it's hard to know week to week. Are the players playing for Stewie Jew? I don't know. I, maybe they just don't have the cattle. But yeah, this this was just uh, an embarrassing loss for the Suns, and that that's saying something. So they've had a lot of bad losses over the journey. This is probably amongst them. Um, other side of the coin, the D's. I mean, it wasn't it great to see the D's finally beat a team outside the bottom, outside the top eight. Well, yeah, I was about to say it is fantastic, and this is what they should be doing as a top side: flex the muscles. I thought, oh, here they go, nice percentage boost, but because of that embarrassing draw to Hawthorne, it doesn't matter. Um, they still got a fair bit of percentage. <laughs> um, you know, their forwards feasted. I, I, do, I love the form of uh, Lukey Jackson kicking a career best four. Uh, and kicking them from everywhere. I mean, he, he, that long bomb from 50, I think, might have been for his fourth. Uh, you know, it was, it was a thing of beauty for the D's fans. Uh, and, you know, get Ben Brown in a bit of form. You can't argue with that. He, he kicked four as well. Uh, I think Tommy McDonald might have come out of this one with a little bit of uh, an injury worry. So, it, look, this forward line that we're desperate to see the D's nail down might still have a few little twists in it before we get to September. But, look... Get back into some form. Keep this form up against the bad teams. Do what you've done against top teams, and that's win. And the D's will be right back up challenging the Cats uh, for that flag. But uh, grades, um, I mean, I really have sunk the boots into the Suns, and they haven't given me much leeway. So I'm going to go on a real suspension rampage and give the Suns a suspension too. D's can have a... Oh, I guess you give them a distinction given that they sunk the boots in. You almost. can't. Give them a high distinction for a 98-point win. 
No, I can't because of the opposition. I, I, I think, Jeez. yeah, it looked harsh, but I, I hold the high teams to a high standard. That's how these grades work. Uh, you know, your, your favourite students, maybe it's unfair, they're marked harder, but I'm doing it. Um, distinction for them, suspension for the Suns. I'd love to know how you hold the uh, average teams to, to grades because I reckon they've slid through a few times. Um, the coordinator for the Suns and high distinction for the Ds. I'm not ready to suspend the Suns. I just can't, don't give two hoots. One of the most irrelevant team in world sports. That's <laughs> Look, that's fair. Look, what what gives, uh, what, what I guess what pushes you towards that HD as opposed to D, you've you just got, they just won by a lot and that gets them an automatic HD, not they just beat up on a bad side. Can you tell me the last team that won that flew from Melbourne to Gold Coast to Melbourne the day before they played? Yeah, look, that's uh, oh, geez, maybe the bombers. Uh, bombers fans are probably screaming at their. Uh, well, what do people listen on these days in their car? The listeners out there, um, as as they're going for a walk with the headphones in. Uh, you look, it's yeah, incredibly rare. Well, the, the bombers lost this weekend, so playing think, at home. I think they're already up there. Yeah, they flew back. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not, we're not at the bombers game yet. Um, that already puts you at a little bit of a disadvantage in terms of your preparation. Um, to have a four-quarter performance and to hit the scoreboard when they've struggled to hit the scoreboard no matter who they've played, um, all encouraging signs for the Ds. Um, it just it screams to me it's a little bit of the Port Adelaide syndrome. Well, you did it against the Suns. Port have played great against bottom eight sides. So... They need the forward line clicking. That's a good start, but they've got to really click it against some better opposition. Uh, but still, it's a high distinction. I mean, I didn't, I didn't sit here and go, yeah, they're going to win by ninety-eight points. Yeah, like, look, I didn't think it'd be a shellacking like that. So, ah, that's fair. I um, guess. High distinction. The next game was bizarre. Tom <laughs> Hawthorne hosted Brisbane. Agree. And I'm watching it, and Hawthorne a little, a little bit on top. And you go, yeah, all right, all right. Brisbane will get back into it. Brisbane are top. They should be going for top four. You know, they're right up there. They're going to get, the, they're going to get it rolling. And then I watched a bit of the second quarter, and they, it was just a bit of an arm wrestle. Yes, I flicked on, saw the scores in the third quarter, and they're down three quarter time. They're down thirteen goals to four, and I'm thinking, well, that that's your top four is done. Yeah. And like, what are you what are you playing for? You just if you end up in that bottom half, you really end up making up the numbers real quick. And they piled on eight goals to one in the last quarter, and they were looking like a chance they might roll them. And I that would have staggered me in the modern day to have that sort of a comeback. They couldn't quite get there, and it was too little, too too late. It was a bit futile. Um, it's so concerning this drop off from the lines. I mean, we we sort of if you sort of picture their season early on they sort of were trying to you know get the feel for the season get their get their I guess grip on it they settled they got there they really played some really top-notch football and then I guess since that hip wood knee injury it has been a real downhill slide and and yeah top four seems a long way away for them at the moment and then this was just a shocking performance yeah yeah it was um I think we forget how critical forwards are to your structures. Um, and Hipwood going out, he, he doesn't seem to set the world on fire, you know, and kick five and, and take lots of pack marks, but he never stops trying and always competes and gives a contest. Um, 
and you bring the ball to ground and for blokes like Charlie Cameron that's key um, getting that ball to ground um, and he's agile he can put on some forward pressure and do other things like that so he is pretty critical to the way they play um, it still doesn't excuse getting bested by Hawthorne and people will call this a Clarko masterclass and go way over the top because he has effectively been sacked um, I, I, we'll, we'll probably talk about Clarko later but um, there's a great it was a great performance from the Hawks. Oh, dare I say, that's their grand final. They won't oh, play any better than that for the rest 100%. of the year. Um, they can have a high distinction for it. Um, it's pretty impressive to beat the Lions like like that. Like, I'm really grading on the first three quarters. The last quarter's a bit irrelevant. Um, they must have got a rocket from old Fags and, and tried to really fire things up, Brisbane, because they, they did come home uh, with a wet sail, but... They can go and see the coordinator for losing the 17th in a game that was really must-win for their top four hopes. I couldn't have put it better, Seb. I fully agree with you. I mean, apart from, I guess, yeah, they sort of found an option in, in McStay. It was all, you know... A big... Did you know? Did you know McStay's old man did one of my tattoos? There is a scoop for the listeners there. That is true. He owns a tattoo shop in Richmond, and uh, his old man actually did one of them. There you go. So, I mean, yeah. you would have liked his form. He kicked four. years but ago. Apart from that, the, the Lions, uh, uh, they couldn't find a, a, a goal kicker to go with him. It was all really, yeah, a, a real spread of goal kickers. And it, look, they were all in that uh, that crazy last quarter. Um, yeah, for the Blues, I mean, sorry, not the Blues, uh, for the Hawks. Yeah, you, yeah, as you said, I mean, this was their grand final. You, you've got to love it. I mean, it, for, and we will cover it, but it was a shocking week for the club for a number of reasons. So, yeah, to come out and put out a performance like that and get the points, uh, especially down in Tassie, good for the game down there. Uh, good for them trying to hang on to Tassie down there. It's sort of getting away from them a bit. Um, it, yeah, HD for the Hawks, coordinator for the Lions. I agree with you, Seb. We go to an absolute shootout of a game at the MCG, Essendon versus Sydney. This one had genuine ramifications on the makeup of the top eight set. Yeah, these two teams, they seem to match up well against each other. Oh, um, they have had some... I, I, I don't know the exact stats off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure they've had always si- close. single digits for the, at least the last six games they've played. Yeah, you can just hear the Channel 7 commentary team just going, oh, yep, we'll just copy what we say on Anzac Day and repeat it here. It doesn't matter where these sides are on the ladder. They always give us a cracking contest. Yeah, we get it. We get it. They just seem to be close. We don't know what the reason is. Um, So this one was obviously scheduled for the Gabba Saturday night. Got moved down to the MCG, which is not the Bombers' home ground, but is in the home state. So um, it's apparently an important distinction, I'm told, Tom. Um, I watched this game. Jeez, it was good. It was a genuine arm wrestle. There was momentum. There was a couple of goals here, a couple of goals there. Uh, it just kept going back and forth and back and forth. And then Sydney sort of got out a little bit and then Stringer did a couple of mercurial things. Um, and then Papley. We haven't mentioned Tommy Papley for a while. Yeah, but no, we haven't actually. I reckon Carlton would have been better off parting with that pick because he was, he was a genuine match winner through this game. He's kicked four as a small forward. Um must win for the Swans, and they've got gotten up to fifth on the back of that. Um, they're still a little bit buddy-centric at times. Um, he's kicked two. He's he's really slowing down, buddy, but you still got to have one run with him and one sit in the hole, and you can still get on the end of them and, and just 
jag some of the, the just jag some absolute stunners. Um, and Sydney just ended up being the better side. Well, I guess as you close it out, it was real like it was neck and neck. Accurate kicking from both sides helps get a nice 109 to 102 scoreline. Um, are the Bombers going to be concerned they've let another 100 plus score go against them? Like in the in the scheme of things, that's probably not ideal. Um, Langford's a really important player for Essendon. He played really well. I think they've missed him at, at stages through the year. Uh, there was a lot to like. You wouldn't go away from that as a Bombers fan, being disappointed. Um, McDonald, Tibb and Woody hasn't found much form lately. And some of their young kids, Cox, Perkins, are just looking a bit... It's a long year for 18, 19-year-olds. Um, it's not taking away anything from them. They just look like they're a little bit a little bit shot um, and need a spell, and I'm sure that'll come at some stage. Uh, Grade-wise, Tom... Yeah. I'd give both teams a distinction. Yeah, both teams a distinction. There you go. Yep. No, that, that's yep. probably fair for a pretty high-quality game of footy there. Yeah, the Bombers did everything they could. I don't think they could have done much more. Sydney, just, they've been a better side all year, and that's how it ended up. They took it right to them. If the Bombers had won this, you could have easily seen it and were deserving of it. Um, it just... It just uh, Sydney just seemed to have a little bit more composure and a bit more experience towards the end, and and I love picking on him, but Jackie Stringer was good, and then he sensed the chance to try and win the match, and he just kept kept running and had a shot from well outside fifty and got smothered, and he could have passed it off. He had plenty of other options, but he was just so focused on doing the thing that makes him him and trying to kick a goal from fifty five, and that composure might have been the difference. Yeah, look, that is as comprehensive a wrap on that game as you could ask for. I, I can't add too much more, except I guess we saw from the Bombers that Parrish Shield inside the midfield. I, I'm happy to say it worked here. They both did what they had to do. Solid performances from both players, particularly Parrish there. Got to give some kudos to Callum Mills from the Swans. He is putting together some sort of season. His numbers in this game, obviously, were, were off the charts, you know, you know, 33, 12 marks, six tackles, enormous. But he's been doing it all year, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe on half back with an all Australian jacket, given his form. Um, yeah, great, great summary, Seb. I, I guess, you know, we, we've seen from the Bombers, they've had a great season. They've been really great, um, you know, against some of the better sides. Found a little wanting, but that's something that uh, they'll use to build into next year. I'm going to give the Swans a distinction. That was a superb win. They they're playing they play great footy on the MCG, which bodes well uh, with September coming around the corner uh, and potentially a September in Victoria. So that'll be good for the Swans that G doesn't scare them. Uh, the Bombers can have a pass. Very good, Tom. Very good. You didn't want a distinction too? No. It's a rare distinction in a loss. Well, you can do that. That's the beauty of these grades. I mean, teams can win oh. and play badly, and teams can lose and play well. That's something for oh. the listeners to absorb out there uh, with our reach all the way to the US, Ghana, and beyond. Uh, I think some people would say I do do what I want sometimes and, and grade unnecessarily harshly, but uh, it's all right. You just have to live with it. Um, it's a it was a game out west that was just dire for two and a half to three quarters and then 
came alight in the last quarter. Yeah, did. Richmond Frio, both teams playing off, really playing off for a spot in the finals. Um, yeah, every game, it's, it's, as they say, a genuine eight pointer, Tom. A genuine eight pointer, and one of those games, I guess, where I guess the fans who like a close game will be, I guess, arguing their case because, yeah. Probably not pretty for most of it, but the fact that it was close at the end probably papered over a few cracks on that front. Uh, Frio Heaveho, the purple haze, wearing the green. Didn't mind seeing that. I did rate the old uh, retro throwback. We touched on it last week. Looked great out on the field. Uh, for the Tassie 19th team crew out there, look at a team in green. There's your team colours. Um, I'm digressing a little bit. Look, look. <laughs> Well, it, it's a four-point game, and you've seen a team 7-13 and a team 6-15. I mean, the Tigers had it really on their plate late in that game. So for Frio out there with the with the spot on the eight on the line, uh, season really on the line for both teams, to, to guts it out there and, and get that result late, um, it, it's just massive. Caleb's wrong with that goal uh, at the back half of that quarter was, was unbelievable. Um, look, one that got away, I think, for the Tigers. This this is probably the game you could see them just, you know, maybe jumping ahead of that curve, a little unexpected. Uh, you know, they do have a, probably a softer run than a couple of the teams around them, and this could have really put them over the top. But, yeah, for Freo to get that result, it is massive for them. Their season is alive and kicking. Um, Andy Brayshaw, what a game. He was a one-man show in the midfield. I, I mean, he brought his mate Cherry with him, but I mean, look at those numbers. They are, I think, of beauty. 12 tackles, 39 Ds. Uh, he did it all at, at both ends of the ground. Um, he, he is a genuine star. So um, you've got to love it as a Frio fan. Um, it, it was a, yeah, backs against the wall, season on the line, gutsing performance. Um, I, I've got to give them a HD. And for the Tigers, it was disappointing. I've got to fail them. What did you think, Seb? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a... It's a very fair summary. Um, Brayshaw leading the way was fantastic. Chera was fantastic, looking for the for the bag to come home to Melbourne. Um, I'd still want to give Fremantle a distinction because I don't think Richmond are travelling all that well um, and playing at home, but certainly a distinction and a fail for the Tigers. Um, the Tigers are going to be... They're interesting, the Tigers. It'll be real interesting to see what they do in the off-season in terms of reloading or... Or trying to get some picks in. I I think the way they've played over the last four years just takes it out of you, like mentally and physically, and playing so deep into the year with the way they play that fast pace. Just got to move it, move it on, move it on, move it on, high pressure sort of game. We saw that with the Ross Lion Saints and even the Ross Lion Dockers. They could keep it up for a couple of seasons, two, three, four. And then they just dropped wired off, and it wasn't to do with lack of personnel. Um, so they're interesting. Frio in the eight. Who would have thought? I guess I did, but <laughs> here we are. Um, it was great to see, and and yes, I couldn't agree more. Those jerseys were fantastic to see, and um, it begs the question: Why Port Adelaide aren't allowed to celebrate their heritage, Tom? But that's, that's for another day. <laughs> hey, showdowns this weekend. They've released a statement today about it, the power. Yeah, that they're going to try and wear the the, the bars, or are they going to oh, sneak I them didn't on? I did actually the read it. Was something about um, 
we too hope to be able to celebrate our heritage someday, something like that. Yeah, because um, oh, I mean, I've seen you know the the Swans. They were wearing, I guess, their heritage South Melbourne jumper. They've been calling it uh, against the Don. So a few teams with the heritage there. Don't know if it's just yeah that uh, that Collingwood owning the stripes. But anyway, look, you know me. I like to get into the uh, the old jumper policy, Seb. So I won't won't do that here. Um, let, let's touch base on the uh, I guess the the hidden game of the the bonus game this weekend. <laughs> Almost like a hidden track on an album, this one. Giants versus the Power. Now, you, I'll, I'll leave it with you because uh, you talked it up last week as the game of the round. What did you make of it? Well, it was the Giants' chance to solidify a top eight spot. And look, you could almost say that eighth spot is cursed. No one's been able to sit there and stay there. They just they get in. Oh, oh whoops. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, and it was a bit of a bit of a seesawing event and Port just ran out too strong in the last quarter um, they got out in the second quarter the Giants pegged them back took the lead in the third quarter which is a good sign for a group you know to be down by sort of three or four goals against a side who is you know top eight they're, they're serious material the power even though we don't rate some of their wins and to be able to peg them back and get the lead in the third quarter is great but then you end up giving it up and you just run out of legs in the last quarter. Um, they still have a young side, the Giants, given the fact their senior players keep leaving and then they magically have draft picks ready to come in and play. So um, they're do- doing a bit of turnover. Um, Josh Kelly's just putting together a fine season. Um, he's got a lot to weigh up this, this off-season, whether he opts out to come home or whether he sticks on for another... I think it's six or seven at a million a year. Um, is that coming from your boys at uh, Arden Street, or is that that's just a, an industry figure? I'm sure North Melbourne will be in with his management discussing terms of a deal, but I believe the Bombers are circling whether or not they... I don't know where they're getting the money, the Bombers, at the minute, given they've had <laughs> to pay Merritt. Um, Parish Stringer. Depends what... You know, Stringers is heavily performance-based. They might be tipping him, might drop off, but that's that's all to be determined. Um, it's probably just disappointing for the Giants dropping off, but young side, and they've been on the road for so long, it just it might end up being a little bit too hard for them. Um, I give the Giants a fail. It was their chance to win and get in the eight. The power just got a pass. They are still not impressing me one iota, and... They're going to have to win a final well, I think, to really impress me this year. Yeah, oh, no, I'm with you, though. I feel I've got them to a similar uh, standard. You know, we, we see them do this against basically anyone who's not in the top six. Um, maybe that win against Sydney was probably the one that had the most merit, but even still, that one was on their home deck. But look, it, until they, they beat one of Melbourne, Bulldogs or Geelong, or even maybe a Lions at home, I don't know if I'll get another chance to do that. But look beat one of those real, real top Victorian sides, uh, I don't think we're going to give them the kudos that they probably, I mean, they're top four, so they're not, they are not by any stretch having a bad year, but yeah, they're just beating up on bad opposition. Um, well, it's interesting, they're, at this stage, they're slated to play the Dogs in the last round, and that'll be in Melbourne, and they could potentially play two weeks later in a final, yeah. depending on where the positions line up. That's their only last game to really impress. Um, I mean, and they are look, only is a harsh, game behind the dogs. I know there's a lot of percentage, but that that's sort of stunning. I mean, yeah, but they are 
knocking on the door them, of the top two. I had Port easily as a top two chance at the start of the year. Um, they were, it was a goal to Richmond, and it was a real contentious deliberate out of bounds, in my view, at the end of that game, and it doesn't go there. If it went their way, we could have had another Port Geelong grand final, which might have been closer than the last time those two <laughs> yeah. met Ooh, in the last ugly. day in September. Yeah, correct. Um, and then they've sort of come in this year, and it was like they thought what I thought, and they've just been on cruise control all year. Kenny Hinkley's got a mountain of work ahead of him because if they bomb out in straight sets, he's gone. You're calling he's out of the job. Jeez. Well, probably safe given my track record with uh, Simon, but um, <laughs> want coach well, he's been blood. there ten years, Tom. No, he's no, never look, got to a grand final. That is fair. Look, we we we, we keep mentioning. I'm talking Clark. straight sets. They go out straight sets because you got to remember seventh and eighth ain't going to be much chop. So, yeah, look, that that's fair. Um, uh, look, uh, uh, the industry is in a funny spot, and we'll touch upon Clarko. We keep saying that. We will get to that later. Um, w- with Clarko now leaving. The coaching industry is all over the shop. So, that, look, there's going to be something crazy that happens. And, I mean, yeah, it, it could get to that point where 10 years of the same voice, it might be time. But, I mean, you still feel like they're building towards something power. They've got a lot of young talent in there. I do want to give a shout, particularly in this game. This is a bloke, Hampton Rover, I guess uh, I've seen him claimed uh, online. Carl. Yeah, Carl. He was in trade talks. I know... Uh, yes, I'm mentioning the Saints again. We we were interested. I think there are a few other clubs interested in him. A couple of off seasons ago, he has put together some sort of year this year. He he will be top three in their BNF. There's a I keep mentioning the BNFs. It's getting to that late point of the year when you can have a crack at pinpointing those. He has had an unbelievable do reckon, season. Um, do you reckon Essendon are going to schedule their best and fairest soon? Oh well, they might uh, do it like they did they last, last year. Last year, before the season had ended. Yeah, yeah true. Um, but look, Carl, I watched him. Yeah, he, he's been great. I mean, he's ripped the Saints apart twice. I watched him uh, against Collingwood waltz his way through three Collingwood defenders and kick a snap from fifty. He is in some great form. So, look, good young talent. The power they've got to put it together. This game, uh, I'm with you. It's a fail for the Giants. Missed opportunity to keep that spot in the eight. Um, the power can have a pass and. Please beat somebody decent soon. They have won their last five in a row against the Swans of Power. Yeah, they will look. You know, we all have our so bogey teams. That but, seems uh, decent, but um, yeah, look, it's that round twenty-three game, and then their first final. That's where they're going to be able to prove themselves this year. So there you go. That is nine games in succinct Super Saints style. Um, Grades galore, some suspensions. Tom's going to have half a class next week. <laughs> um, but that's all right. There were some pretty poor performances that I do think warranted some pretty harsh grades. So, um, as always, please give us your feedback. Oh, yeah. we love. I love hearing the feedback on these grades. And we get a lot of pushback, Tom. We get a lot, especially on some of those Saints grades. Yeah, well, yeah look, I love, I love the comments on the grades because... We give them, and we want to hear what you have to say on them. I'm going to challenge anyone who really, really, really wants to disagree with us. Record a question. Everyone's got an iPhone. Do a little voice memo. Send it into us, 12rowsbackatgmail.com. If you know us personally, text it to Just get it to us, and we'll play it on the show, and then we'll debate whether or not you uh, got it right. So there <laughs> you go. If you really this. disagree with us, send it in, and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss. 
well said. I mean, it's yeah, as you said, just everyone's got a, f- a phone with recording ability. Could be thirty seconds, and you'll be on air next week. We we guarantee it. Keep the swearing to a minimum if you can. L- let's get into the rapid fire, Seb, because this is my one of my favourite segments that we've put together this year. Uh, the the slowest rapid fire, but that's because of the detail we want to give the listeners out there. So look, I'll just jump straight in. It, it, it was late last week and, and we've sort of seen, the, you know, the Hawthorne's plans for their future. Well, they went absolutely AWOL last week and and Clarko, probably the greatest coach, well, he is the greatest coach in their history, in my uh, humble opinion. Maybe the best of the modern era, maybe, yeah, maybe pushing up the ranks of the, the greatest of all time. And he was basically sacked by the club. He is out of a job at the end of the year or leaving his post at the end of the year and uh, in comes Sammy Mitchell to manage what can only be described as a below average list. That might be being nice. Uh, Well, firstly, your thoughts on Clarko leaving and then after that, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on where it leaves Hawthorne going forward. Well, yeah, you you put it it pretty well. He was sacked. Um, He just has a contract and... I think they were trying to get around that and and paint it out and go. Look, we're certainly not going to come out and say we sacked you. They couldn't. They couldn't do that and save face. So they said to him, "We're not renewing your contract." Sam Mitchell's going to take over as coach at the end of the contract. Um, we'd love to talk to you about working out a way we can end it this year and have a handover. And Clarko's gone. Yeah, well, I got nine hundred thousand reasons to see out my contract. And if you want to pay me out to walk away, you can pay me out. And, and he's dug his heels in. And Jeff Kennett's gone around in circles and done a bit of this, bit of that. And, he, like, they're going to have to pay him out now to sit at home. Yeah, which is a stunning, that's, it, stunning It all result. came back. It was money three weeks ago. When it first got announced, the only reason Clarko was staying on was money. Um, Hawthorne didn't want to pay him. And you can understand the hesitation to be paying someone 900 grand not to coach, but... He knew he had the power, Clarko. Well, I'm not going to turn down at 900000 next year. You pay, pay me. I'll, I'll coach. Like, he was happy to stay on as coach. But he knew if they wanted him out, well, this was the scenario. And, and then Clarko played it beautifully by those impassionate pleas, making it impossible for them to sack him, and they had to come to the deal. Um, if I was a supporter of that club, I'd be trying to get Jeff Kennett the hell out of there now. Well, because he, he's got to go, doesn't he? It's almost you can't untenable. handle it like that. Yeah. He is like he's a great of the club. He's the greatest coach the modern era has seen. Like Clarkson, Matthews, like Sheedy yeah. won four flags. Yeah, Sheedy maybe. Who else I mean, that many do we throw Mick Malthouse up there? That might be a bit of a stretch. He... It was three. Like Pagan had two, but he was widely considered great through the 90s. Um, Farmer Thompson, two-ish. Um, you know, Paul Ruse is lauded as a great. He won one by half a point. So, <laughs> you know, to, to just turf Clarkson out, whether it was the right or the wrong move, it was the wrong way to handle it. Well, it, um, I think it was. And oh, sorry, yeah, you you continue. I was just going to say it was brought on the back of um, Collingwood showing their interest in Sam Mitchell, yeah. which it, history repeats itself. North Melbourne showed interest in Nathan Buckley, and suddenly Malthouse is out. The, yeah, that didn't go too well. The clubs just go on a spin, don't they? Malthouse then went to Carlton, and the drums are beating. Yeah. 
Carlton are well into Clarko and who who knows? Who knows what will happen there? You watch this space with a keen interest, but um, it's effectively a sad day for Hawthorne. Well, really, yeah. You you want the, the fanfare and a proper send-off for really, yeah. That, I mean, they joked in the press conference that there'd be a, a statue of him. There probably will, there should be a statue of him. Um, unbelievable coaching performance, but... I hope, look, it's not going to come out for a long time, but I'm hoping one day something comes out about the Clarkson-Kennett relationship. Just two really big characters, two really big egos, and they've gone head-to-head. And uh, Look, yeah, the, the Mitchell thing was coming. We know Collingwood had interest. They, they got, I got scared into it, I guess, and they had to make a move, Hawthorne, and, and they guess their handling of this couldn't have been poorer. They're, they're leaving a, a rookie coach who's coached eight VFL games, to head a list that most are probably agree- in agreement with is one of the thinner lists in the comp right now. Uh, and they've lost 900 now from their soft cap. So um, Kenneth spoke at a big game about other clubs doing stupid things with their money. So it, look, it's a disaster all round. PR internally, PR externally, it, it's an absolute shambles. It, yeah, and I'm with you. It was a, a sad day for a, for a real club grade who, uh, look, I know you didn't want to put too much emphasis on it, but you know they they still produced a, a pretty rousing win. So look, you, you wouldn't say he can't coach anymore, Clarko. There is plenty more coaching in him, and and he, he's look walked out with a bag full of cash out of the club. Disastrous result for the Hawks. Yeah, couldn't have gone any worse. And poor Sam Mitchell, who I liked him as a player. He's a bit of a knew how to deliver a hit, didn't he? Just knew how to get someone. Right borderline, whether it was fair or not. <laughs> borderline. Um, but he was he was elite by foot, great at clearance work, getting the ball in and under. Um, Brownlee medalist in the end, which is well-deserving. Um, <laughs> he's walking in to so much pressure, having not coached a game to a terrible list. At least Buckley walked into a list that was coming off a grand final. Now, you could argue that was even more the reason not to hand over, but, um, well, look at the two presidents who did it, Eddie and Jeff. Yeah, the, the, probably the two that big guns, isn't it? it? Yeah. yeah. Um, there's so much pressure on Sam Mitchell, and, like, how many years, like, how, how, do you, how do you work this? Like, how many years to give him? Because he hasn't brought in some of these players like O'Meara and given up picks to Scully. Well, not even been Patton. at the club to be part of any of these decisions. He's really just inheriting Clarko's half-built plan, really. Yeah. So, well, 2019-2021, this is third year back. Oh, was he at West Coast in 2019? I thought it was only 20, like last year. No, nah, because he, he, didn't, he didn't play in the flag. So he retired the year before that and coached in the flag and then came over. Yeah, okay, yeah, sorry. I thought he might yeah. have snuck one more year after. I know he was but mids coach in 2018. I thought he might have had one more. He, hasn't, um, he, he hasn't had a say in list management, even. I'm sure he had an input, but wasn't driving it. Um, and that ultimately, I think that was one of Clarko's downfalls, whether he got it right or wrong. It's probably up for debate. You know, he was... Um, always in win now mode, and probably the last three or four years, they've probably had to shift their focus a little bit. But um, I, I think if the club had its time again, they would have kept Clarko's coaching very separate to their list management and fought him a bit more on it. But you know, he's a bit of a personality, so probably hard to do. But um, well done to him. He's that what coached 
18 years there? Uh, yeah, years. 18, 2004 he, he took over. So, yeah, it's what, 18 yeah. seasons? 17, yeah, 18, 18 inclusive, um, which is it's a great stretch. Four flags, a couple of prelims in there. Um, you know, you, you couldn't ask for much more as a supporter of the club. So, um, well done to him and, and good luck to Mitch. There's a bit of pressure there, Tom. I wouldn't <laughs> want to be him. I would not want to be him. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, off the back of that, I guess I've got a, another one I was going to go with later, obviously tied in with Clarko, so I'll ask it now. But if you're the, the Gold Coast Suns, what are you offering him? I mean, is this a is this a blank check scenario for, for, for a club like the Suns? I mean, we could talk about a Carlton or a Collingwood or anyone else out there, but we, I mean, we spoke it, spoke about it during the grades. The Suns are, are in dire need of, of just something some sort of relevance in this comp is it a, a blank check scenario write whatever you want Clarko and come and coach us for the next five years not for me um, and I've heard a lot of people saying it because of where they're at um, I they need to build they need to build a culture and a foundation of a football club up there how is paying Clarko 1.2 1.3 to do that like how is that going to work that's not what footy clubs are built on. Gaza went up there for 1.5. That built nothing. Um, he was off praying to God and, and the rest of them were out on the town. Um, and I, like, no discredit to him because he was a star, but just paying him the money, what I'm saying is paying him the money didn't just give you a culture at the club. And it's pretty evident now there's no culture and nothing going on and Stewie's using a world of hurt too. Paying a coach to come in for one point two, one point three. What like what well, is true, it achieve? True, but not just a coach. I mean, this is the coach of the modern era. You you don't think there's a little? I mean, you'd be crazy not to if you are them, and he is available to throw your hat in the ring. And and I mean, he would bring an amount on, on, of knowledge of premiership standard yep. that they haven't seen in their history. Yeah. So, so with some of those flags. Do you reckon he was given a slight leg up with some of those drafts and getting Buddy, Lewis, Franklin, Roughhead? Look, that one helped. I know, I think are you go in the argument that they're also the three-peat was sort of boosted by the uh, Giants and Suns coming in at the time too. Do you, you... I subscribe to that, but I'm not, I'm not pointing that out. It does help the point though. Um, it, uh, so we had, we had those players drafted. And you still got to get the list right. It took they won that two thousand eight flag a lot earlier than maybe what they should have, and then you know sort of faltered and took a while to get back up there. Um, Gold Coast had Rodney Ede. He's never had players like that at the clubs he's coached, and he is a very good football coach. He got the Dogs to back to back prelims. He um, took the Swans to a grand final. He can coach football. Oh, I agree. Yeah. He didn't work well with the younger players and no culture was built while he was up there. I don't think paying one of those experienced coaches is the answer. You need to get a good coach, but you need to be able to build a culture. I think it's so much harder if you're paying one bloke 1.3, especially in a soft cap situation. You'd be better off finding a really good up-and-coming coach and if Stewie Jew's the answer, get him. If not, uh, why not look at Robert Harvey? Like, I don't think Collingwood are going to appoint him. Bring him up, give him the keys, 
and then put as many different development coaches around him to try and build more of a club. So Because it's not a club, it's just a barren place to play football for a year. So you're saying the Sun should go after Harvey instead of Clarkson? Yep. Wow, that is a stunning take. Yeah, I look, I that's not not necessarily Harvey. You know, I don't think Harvey's the answer, but I think the scenario of paying one bloke one point two, I think it'd need to be more. Um, like Clarko's son's in his last year of school here. He's going to get paid nine hundred to take the year off. So. I don't know how I don't know what his figure is, but he's probably not going to want to uproot his son and fly up north. Um, and I just I just think paying one person that much money to a club that's soulless, he's a mercenary. Um, it'd be like Tim Watson coaching St Kilda in '99. Well, I was going to say it's probably even more Malcolm Blight because look, there, there's two schools here. You want. You can either get the Lee Matthews type of appointment where he came back and he bought a lot of premiership experience to the Lions and, and built up that young group and turned them into an absolute dynasty. And then, yeah, there's there's the Malcolm Blight where he wasn't interested. We didn't kick a ball for three months in pre-season and, and it was just about the money. But look, it, look, outside looking in, we don't know where Clarko is mentally. So we don't know... You know, we know he wants... He, he can keep, keep coaching whether he wants to. I mean... I'm only just plugging Clarko here for the job because before he was in footy, he was in football administration. So he just knows how clubs work. He knows that, I guess, that off-field side well. We've seen he's been able to not only build great lists, but he's built great assistants. I mean, his uh, coaching tree is unbelievable. Hardwick, uh, Beveridge, uh, Simpson, uh, I think Brendan Bolton Cameron. was in there. Uh Brett Ratton, the, the list goes on. Not all of them flag coaches, obviously, but a lot of flags in there. So uh, if he can bring a, any of that to the Suns, I'd, I'd be saying, yeah, pay, pay him whatever. I know they've got to be smart with the cap, but, I mean, if they've got a chance to get the best modern-day coach in the industry, you take it. But, look, it's going to be fascinating to see how it goes. I mean, yeah, we, we talk Suns. I mean, there's plenty of other clubs that might just uh, pull a fast one and pull the checkbook out, and, and we'll be right there to analyse it, Seb. Well, I can tell you, and I reckon this is factual, and when I say I reckon, I mean I haven't fact-checked it, but I'd be willing to bet a fair bit of money. It is, before this announcement last week, Collingwood and Carlton were asking the question of his management. Oh, they would be. What's he doing next year? Does he want to come and coach here? I guarantee you they were. Um, I want to know if you think, and obviously I've just, I've just given him a fair rev up, but should Robert Harvey, should Collingwood look at Robert Harvey to be their senior coach next year? Look, tricky question because, I mean, you've got to take what you've seen in these rounds and see if the players are behind him because, you know, I look back in the the history books and and Paul Ruse, I mean, they had Terry Wallace coming in. That was almost a done deal, but the players just loved Ruse so much that, you know, they built a little bit of culture and built something behind him. Uh, More recent example, I mean, we saw sort of Teague, Reshaw come through and and they kind of, you know look good in this caretaker period but whether that was just a couple of things went right senior blokes playing in positions where youngsters had been um you know you sort of fall in love with something that's working at the time but don't have that long-term vision um which makes it makes it tricky so um i think that for poor my man bob he, he's got to go through probably another interview process because collingwood can't just accept that they've got to put him through the process and see 
you know, if he actually is the best candidate, you know, versus their, I guess, standards and, and metrics that they have. I mean, he will have that I've coached aside as a fair thing in his pocket, but... Um, Collingwood don't know who's making the decision yet, do they? Probably not, so that doesn't Even help. Board up evil after board up evil. Correct. There. So, yeah, I mean, it might just be whoever's in the board at the time and a little bit of favouritism there. But, yeah, you, you, uh, I'm not a huge fan of the, I guess, unless it's, yeah, like a cultural makeover, Rusey style of the caretaker going on, unless, yeah, it's either, yeah, that Rusey one or I know... I mean, we had Richo and then brought in Brett Ratton, but that was more because Richo was a dead man walking and we sort of had our new coach underneath him already, which I don't think clubs at the moment have. So, yeah, not not a huge rap on the uh, the caretaking, but not to say that halves can't coach. I think yeah, he's been around more than enough uh, of the AFL industry and, and he would be a great coach anywhere. So, yeah. <laughs> I think I've uh, been I've jumped from both sides of the fence so to the other. So should he should Collingwood sh- should Collingwood get him on as their coach? I don't think no. I- I'm thinking should they look at him as their coach? Um, no, nah, no. Nah, I think I think it's probably best for both if they go their separate ways. Yep, I actually tend to agree. Um, they just. You get the caretaker coaches, how much input were they having prior to the senior coach going? It's very murky waters. Um, the halves has been there for 10 years too. So, I mean, that's basically Buck's entire reign. So I think probably for Collingwood's situation, it's best to make a clean break, new voice, new assistants, new plans, and just go from yep. there. Especially looking at what Carlton have been through. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's a very fair comment, Tom. Perfect. Uh, I've got one for you, Seb. Uh I think I might have... Have I hogged the spotlight this week? I think I have, yeah. We've been rolling on Clarko. Um, just a quick one. The AFLPA, they have been stamping out five-day breaks left, right and centre for clubs. I mean, do they just need to settle down and just let the AFL have a little bit more flexibility? I know, obviously, the players' welfare is top of their list, but the lack of flexibility that that's left in the fixture is actually affecting the whole comp, so... Where do you sit on their influence there? Well, so let's 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 do a little role playing here, Tom. Let's. Sorry, I'm I'm Patrick Dangerfield, head of the Players Association. Um, I'm going to ignore the fact though. I'm I'm here to do the right thing for the players. We're going to go to the AFL and say we're we're ready for five day breaks, and we're ready for a 26 game season. If you're ready for us to be having more managed games. So they're going to have to try and sneak in a few extra rounds and they're going to be able to do five-day breaks but be ready for big games where a player like Danger or any of those older sort of players who you pay to come and watch are just going to be managed out more regularly. I'd be doing that to then go and take the TV deal to get a bigger packet, a bigger slice of the pie. Um, And... That would allow more flexibility with the fixture, more games. I'd be trying to edge closer to that. Yeah, I guess I guess 34 games is a fair stretch from 22, but I'd be trying to edge closer to that for sort of a bit more parity in the fixture um, and bring in some more irregular, irregular time slot games to try and get through a little bit more um, to ultimately grow the game. 
Yeah, it, that, that is an interesting take. As, uh, as soon as you mentioned the Stars potentially not being there week to week, I, I immediately thought the AFL would balk at that idea. We've seen one round where the Ruse and Frio have, you know, let maybe six or seven blokes have a little rest pre-finals and they've absolutely gone, wet the bed and gone up. We've got to buy now. So anything that has the Stars, I guess, appearing less... I don't think the AFL would jump at. Um, I, I don't. I don't blame you. I, I think that that kind of format would work. It's probably better for the comp. Um, you know. To, would you prefer? Would you prefer the players resting, being managed, or playing off five day breaks, doing a hammy and being out for four to five? No, look. I think if you if you were considering that five day break, that yeah, you would have to have more more management. I personally don't mind the the scenario. I uh, you know. Yes, you like to see the stars, but you also want to see, you know, a fairer fixture and more games. So, look, I, I would be completely fine with, you know, the sort of five-day break, twenty-six game season featuring the management. I, I mean, yeah, I mean right. that. I mean, the, the model is the NBA. You know, the, the, that's starting to creep in more. The rest, but you know, they've got a huge eighty-two game season. That that you know, yeah, maybe a star misses here or there, but the comp. Is flourishing, so it can be done. Yeah, and I think the the other side of that with the fear of fixturing is, yeah, we're going to give clubs five-day breaks. Um, look at four-day breaks if you have to in terms of getting extra games in, but be prepared for teams to cop a four-day break versus a seven-day break. Like, be prepared for some of that to happen and just... Ex- not so much to accept it, but try and work within the confines of what you've got. So, yep, we're going to have some shorter breaks. Some teams are going to cop it here, but then they're going to make it up here. Um, but ultimately, adding the extra games means more games, more advertising, more money in the pockets. Uh, I reckon the betting agencies would be against it in terms of the integrity. You know, you, you know you've got a four-day break coming up. Odds are $1.60 to two twenty, and suddenly danger... Hawkins and Cameron are all out, and so Geelong go from a dollar sixty to two ten, and someone can get wind of that early, you know, and and profit on it. So, despite what you might want to think, they actually they pump a hell of a lot of money into our game, the betting agencies. So whether they won't get an official say, but they'll be putting some pressure on. Um, but I, I think that's a I think that's a fairer way to go about it than just saying, right, we want Thursday night footy. Um, We're all scheduled for one five-day break. It's now going to be three, put up or shut up. Um, I don't think that's a fair way to do it. Yeah, yeah, that that, that is probably fair. Um, I guess another part of your um, answer that you put out there was, I mean, we are tracking towards more rather than less, but I, I personally also think that 17 or maybe an 18 game season with a rivalry game would work beautifully but the AFL is never going to go less rather than more because of the almighty dollar yep no uh, that would work so much better um, and the way you would fixture it is um, with the Melbourne team so you know, North Melbourne we play West Coast and Fremantle we have to play one of them away and one of them home yeah you can't have both Perth teams at home and then both Brisbane teams at home, but then travel for both Sydney. Um, keep it state by state, and then alternate that year on year. That's a hundred percent the clearer way to have a fairer fixture. But yeah, there's no chance they're going to drop four games off the schedule. Um, 
it's yeah it's, it's too much money at stake um although i think if they went a shorter schedule suddenly those games later in the year have more impact like you yeah. get to round 13 there you start having must win after must win after must win and um yeah, we're going to find over the next few weeks a few games. Round 23, North Melbourne play Adelaide. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's it. There's going to be a few like that. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, look, I'm, I know, yeah, they're never going to do it, but, I mean, if, if there's any chance as well with a potential 19th and 20 team, then you could sort of get maybe 19 games plus a rivalry. Then you're at 20, which is... Uh, look, I haven't done the quick maths on the total amount of games, um, but whether or not um, that might make it work but look it'll be uh remains to be seen but yeah we, we do know the afl pa has a lot of power at the moment uh and they're, they're wielding it here so look we'll, we'll see I, I mean i i guess my original question we did digress was more focused at just being kind to the afl and giving them a bit more flexibility because of covid scheduling at the moment i mean it makes it hard to book in games if you can't do five day breaks but they've held firm oh, yeah but they they knew that coming in and they didn't try and start the season earlier or do anything like that. We just waited like ducks and um, we're here now. They're going to finish. They're going to get the rest of the season away, it looks like, um, potentially with a hub, Melbourne or, or Perth at this stage. Potential for a Perth grand final, which I called 12 months ago. <laughs> Got the year wrong, but did call it. So, oh, well, look, I'll give um, it to you then. I'll give it to you. I'll say that if Simon gets sacked in 2028, I'll claim that one too. Just do it. I want to know your thoughts here, Tom. Uh, A lot of these developing sides, they get these high draft picks, even first, second, third round, whatever. They've got kids coming through. The kids aren't ready. Kids aren't necessarily deserving of a game. Some clubs are more willing to play them than others some clubs would as the saying goes gift games to youngsters in the hopes that they're going to develop where do you sit on playing the kids versus just gifting games out to the kids is there a line should you just play the kids and and put up with them for a season Um, does it create a sense of entitlement I think uh, I think there are some players at Carlton that were probably pretty lucky to still be in the side at certain stages this year because they were the younger versions yeah it's it's such a tricky question that one i guess i do lean on the side of play the kids um i I guess you know unless they're that you know category b project player and and you know they've basically just finished shooting a basketball and now they're playing afl that bloke doesn't get a game but if if you're a high class uh recruit and and you know you've shown some form at, at, at training or in the VFL uh, I, I, and, and there's a spot for you in the team, play them. I think there's nothing better than getting those those games under the belt for kids, getting them used. Every kid that comes in says, geez, it's so much quicker than I've ever played. It is an enormous step up from any level. It's the highest level as we know, obviously, but just, just being out there, getting that experience, you know, it hasn't been the same, obviously, the last couple of years, but getting in front of those big crowds, just the build-up to a game, how to prepare, the, I don't think there's any better experience you can give a kid than that. Um, in terms of, I guess, gifting games, I mean, yeah, you, it's really, I guess, where, where the where the club's at. Um, 
I mean, does anyone not deserve their spot in the side? I mean, I find that part of it hard because I guess at, at AFL, I mean, every everyone's, I guess, reached a level where they can play at, at this high grade and, and if you've demonstrated enough skill or even if you have enough potential that they think you're going to make it, then I, I'm not sure where the gifting comes from. I mean, are there f some players that spring to mind for you that you could uh, give as an example? Oh, well, like a up until about a month ago, Paddy Dow had never shown a single thing at AFL level to suggest he deserved to stay in that side. Yeah, exactly. And now a bit of continuity, a bit of confidence building. I mean, he wouldn't have done that if he hadn't played, you know, a game, let alone consecutive games. So how how does he build his AFL experience if he can't play? Well, you play in the VFL. Yeah, but like I said, the, it's an even quicker game. It's an even higher standard of game in the AFL. I mean, that, that is... I know it's it's the deep end and, yeah, you do sink or swim, but, I mean, you've got to do it at some time if you want to be an AFL player. So... Um, so he didn't really start showing anything until about round 15 against Adelaide. 20 touches and a goal. Frio, 22 touches and a goal. Yeah, so... They were games it's more of a, 51, uh, I guess a, 52. Yeah, it's more of a, I guess, a question of how much patience do clubs have and, yeah, how long do they let that stretch, you know, keeping in mind their hunger for finals and, and you know, the coach and, uh, you know, the, the fans as well. So... You know, some clubs have the luxury of more patience than others. Um, I mean, I look at the you know the the Hawthorns and and the Geelongs. Uh, you know, and even we've sort of seen it a bit from Richmond as well, I guess. Where you know they've got obviously their guns playing, but there's a kid who's probably twenty second or even twenty first on on any team sheet. You know, team list of a night who's probably, you would say, getting gifted a game, but they're a top side and they're absolutely flying, but now he's got a game under his belt. Now he's played at the G in front of 60,000 and, and he can start building his career from there. He, he probably has been gifted a game, but, you know, you, you've got to give those youngsters the experience and then he can get that in that sense. So, look, I'm, I'm all for, um, yeah, kids, kids getting the runs on the board when they can. Is there a limit on how many games a kid could play when they, when he's not ready? So if he plays 20 games through the year and he's not better than, say, a, a player who's 27 at his position, is that too many? Are you are you compromising your selection integrity if you start doing that? 20 is a lot. That's, that's basically a season. I mean... I have said, you know, you're gifting games. You do obviously want to see something and you want to see them start to, I guess, show attributes that show they belong at this level. Um, I, having not played at that level myself, I mean, sometimes, you, yeah, you, you might not... Act, I mean, on top of the head, you're like, oh, you, you should give them a month to play, but, you know, it might not be the right time for that to happen. So it, it's really such an up-in-the-air question. I feel... I apologise to listeners for not being able to answer it as clearly, um, given that it just comes down to, I guess, club scenarios and club cultures as well. But look, I don't I don't tend to see too much gifting of, of games. I tend to think if you've earned your spot there, you've earned it for a reason and, and they believe in something that they've seen within you. So, um, yeah, look. No, that's, that's, that's very... Very well answered, Tom. I am going to watch the team selections now back on Thursday nights with a uh, 
with a keen interest in seeing if anyone's getting gifted any late in the year. Um, I do like the idea of if you've got a kid, when they're not ready, don't... It's not so much when they're not ready, but if you're going to bring them in, come in, tell them, right, we're going to play you for four weeks and then give you a spell. And you get four weeks. Don't worry if you make mistakes here. We're not just going to drop you because you've turned it over to the... You know, just give them that time and try and give them some confidence. Um, and then pull them back, review the four weeks and go, how do you think you went? Blah, blah, blah. Yep, did this well, did that well, need to work on this, need to work on that. Um, and sort of be pretty upfront with them. Um, I guess my flip side is if you're starting to give games to these kids because they're going to be good and then they turn out to be average and then they expect to keep getting the games, just... I think, not picking on them, but Melbourne were caught in this a little bit right towards, right when they sacked Dean Bailey, they thought we've got all these kids and they're in the right list stage and profile and we're just going to suddenly get better. We need a better coach. And it was the complete opposite. Dean Bailey was a great coach. Their list wasn't there yet and they brought in Mark Neal and just they've gone backwards and backwards and backwards. Um, and now they're on the right track now, obviously, um, coaching aside. But... Um, I, th- I think that was more of an example. Some of those, some of those kids, I reckon, were gifted their games far too early, and it hurt that side in the long run. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, you could say that. I mean, but they were making decisions like making a twenty-one-year-old captain. So, look, it, it wasn't a great time. I Jeez. mean, yeah. do you? I mean, do Wayne you? Wayne Carey th- was captain at twenty-one. Yeah, true. I mean, the duck. For an example, one that we we've all seen in in the industry. Jack Watts, do you think, I mean, he came out on a Queen's birthday and, and you know, he was probably uh, roughed up by a few pies that day. Do you think, I mean, I'm pretty sure he might have come out and said that that wasn't, wasn't a great experience for his career, but, I mean, did it did it build his character? Did it, did it give him an exposure to a level and, and show him a standard that he had to reach? Well, did he have character to build? <laughs> I don't know if it hurt him at all. I, he still played 200 league games. Um, they shouldn't have trotted him out in that situation. Um, that was a bit of a, bit of a mistake. Um, it comes down to the individual. I mean, Kevin Sheedy liked to bring players in for Anzac Day. It was their first game. Um, but he was pretty smart and he would have done it. To the, there were players to do it for yeah, and players so, not to do yeah, it that's for. It. And, um, each player is different. Um, so look, I'll I'll see if I can find a few gifts in team selection over the next few weeks, and we can run through them. Yeah, no, no, sounds good. But look, yeah, in saying that, this is the time of the year to get to get games into kids. I mean, we've talked about dead rubbers. We'll give give someone an exposure to uh, to the AFL standard. Um, I'm keen, Seb, to know out of you just quickly. We can make this one rapid. How far can Sydney go this year? Have you, you like what you've seen flag. out of their flag, you reckon? Yeah, I'm putting them in there, but I think that might be recency bias, to be perfectly honest. They can go through to a prelim, and they'll be pretty dangerous in that game, but if they don't finish in the top four, I think it might be too big of an ask to have been on the road since, what, whatever round it was, 15, 16, play four, have the bye, play four weeks in the finals and get through the grand final. Um we don't even know where these finals are going to be held. There's talk, like I said earlier, there's talk of going to Perth for a hub, um, a Melbourne hub with everyone in it, which is probably what the administrators want. Um, 
but uh, look, they can. I, I think a prelim is probably a realistic ceiling. Um, but you got to get to a prelim, and then who knows? Yeah, no, well said. Look, I'm with you. I think they're right in that flag mix. Um, look, they've got players that can perform in the in these massive games. Uh, they've got kids, I guess, with that youth and excitement, good quality talent across each line. Um, yeah, I mean, the question is how that youth handles it. I think is the only thing really that we're uh, knocking Sydney for at the moment. So, look. Sometimes it can work in your favour. I'm going. I'm going way, way back into the old baby bombers, but you know that that excitement of youth could work in their uh, their advantage. And I mean, I guess the dogs in 2016 they put together an absolutely incredible month. So if they could, you're going to go the the ducklings. Yeah, the, the ducklings. I like that one. Um, we'll 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 wait and see uh, how that pans out. But I, I'm absolutely loving the form of the Swans. And yeah, I, I think prelim might be uh, where they're at. Yep, no, no, I'm with you. Um, no bias in there, Tom. No family bias having you on the side. Uh, well, yeah, maybe slightly. I've I've seen a lot of their work this year, probably more than some other teams. But I mean, we all have that, so that's okay. We'll shift into the. Uh, we'll go from Saints talk to Swans. Saints talk <laughs> very shortly. Um, I, I'm out of rapid fire. No, Tom. Well, I'll, it's been a big. Yeah, it has been a big. Ep. Uh, Chris Main retired just quickly. Uh, I know yes. you said before, but he, he will go down in my books as a Fremantle great uh, who featured for the Pies. But um, Played in two grand finals. Correct. Played real well in that 2013 one. Uh, I think that was when he was in his absolute prime. But, uh, yeah, look, do you think he'll be Frio Hall of Famer, Collingwood Hall of Famer? Where's he, where's he sort of at in terms of that kind of conversation? Or will he just well, get a I mean, medal of... The only only played seventy odd for Collingwood, so you couldn't have him there. Um, no, look, he was a good he's a good player for Freo, a good servant. Had the yips towards the end of his time there, and everyone questioned Buckley in recruiting him, and then played three games in his first year there, and it was real question marks at that point. Reinvented himself. Um, he carved out a real nice career for himself. He'd be proud of yeah. that. Um, but. Hall of Fame and Chris Main, they don't go together. <laughs> nah, that's fair. Probably a little harsh on his way out to say that. But no, great, great career. He, he's, uh, <laughs> he asked the question. Yeah, no, I know. So, yeah. uh, but no, look, yeah, I, I'm with you. Great servant of, uh, well, both clubs and credit to him to reinvent himself. I can I can name a lot of players that don't deserve the Hall of Fame. Oh no, yeah, like, I'm, a... we're not. I'm not. I'm not the Channel Seven commentary team. Oh, he's a superstar. He's a superstar. He's a champion. There aren't many in our game. There are many anointed, but not actually many in the current day. No, I agree with you there. We're, we we go a little too far, particularly the word champion and the word legend these days. So I'm with you on that. Beautiful, Tom. I, I like it when you're with me. <laughs> no, most like of the time I am. Me. Sometimes we get the listeners saying we're too much in agreement. So we'll let us know what you like, listeners. Do you like us agreeing or not? We will... Yeah, record it and send it in. Let's do it. Speaking of things sent in, you got a couple of mailbags for me. Yeah, I reckon we got to burn through these. Yeah, uh, time permitting. Yep. <laughs> couple of mailbag questions here today. Thoughts on Carlton using Silvani as an undersized ruck utility player? Is there a place in the league for it? Um, especially when you look back at Sean Grigg being effectively a premiership ruckman for the Tigers. Yeah, look, long term, I don't think it's a sustainable solution. I think he, 
if he can turn into a, a forward that can pinch hit when the club's desperate, that's probably more his go. I don't see it as a long-term option. Uh, and the, the sample size we've seen probably isn't great enough to see if it was even effective this time. So, no, nah, I, I think he is a sort of your third forward, uh, third tall option, uh, and that's probably where they should play him and just play him there exclusively. Potentially for Silvani, but what about using an undersized player as that second ruckman? Uh, look, if they've got a good tank and they've got a good leap, yes, but I don't think having, I guess, a tall midfielder will will cut the mustard in the depths of September. Richmond did it, and full credit to them. Um, I mean, he he, I mean, he was probably he probably maybe a quarter or twenty percent of those ball ups Griggs he was at. So he, I mean, he's he's probably jumped on that uh, Ruckman tag more than he probably should have. But I, yeah, I think when it comes to the push and shove, particularly in September, you need those big bodies doing that kind of work. And I don't know if there's a place for it going forward, unless it's yeah. You're super creative with it and have a super athlete. I can't see it working. Yep, so just against Rowan Marshall in a must-win game. Potential. I was told he was potential All-Australian. And... No, we'll see. We're, we're, he's not a... I wouldn't call him a, a midfielder by any stretch. He is a, a genuine key forward and a genuine ruckman. So uh, we... No, but I'm saying Carlton knew Silvani against him. Yeah, look... I. It worked for so we're saying it worked for one game. It's going to work for the whole combat. I'm not sure that that's sustainable. Is what I'm trying to say. And, and Big Roma is, uh, yeah, he is a gen. He could be all Australian if he put together a year at his top form. Don't worry about that. Probably have to get on top of these undersized mid forward ruckman types. Um, oh, look, I think you'd be, have to be pretty brave. But if you get the right structure in your midfield and the Ruckman don't have that much of an impact. There's no reason you can't. And this one, I like this to go out on. Everyone, we're talking about where Clarkson might go and, and who's going to pursue Clarkson. But if you were Big Alistair, or Little Alistair, um, which team would you prefer to coach? Ooh, can I take a, a left-field one here and say that he should knock on the door at the empty office of Steve Hocking and take a nice position as our football ops manager? Do you think he'd be good in there? Uh, yeah, potentially, but um, the question was which AFL team, and you're on the fence. No, no, okay, AFL-wise, no, more than happy to answer it. Um, oh, look, I've, I've got to stick with the Suns. I, I think I would love to see what... Cl- you think he would? You think he should pick the Suns? Uh, yeah, I think he should pick the Suns. Is that based on the fact you think he might get 1.4 or something? Yeah, or no, nice little pay can't be their and, list. And, well, is it not? I mean, do they not have good young talent on that list? Oh, bits and pieces, but overall, that that needs a lot of work. Yeah, that's the biggest project in the league. Um, if I were him, I'd go to Geelong. Oh, okay, I've, I've misread the question. I thought you had to pick a a rebuilding side. You meant any side? Nah. Oh, he would. He uh, would I'd love Geelong. And, you know, like if they don't win it this year, he could very easily go. Yeah, Chris got over the hill. Come on, oh, I can get these boys up and running. Um, I would love to see that. I'd love to see Jeff Kennett after that. <laughs> yeah, that would be unbelievable. That would take this rivalry to the next level. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, if they were to, I mean, we're talking really um, 
hypothetical now, but if they were to salute with Clarko, I mean, where would that leave Scott's legacy as well, given he had 10 years and sort of gifted that first flag with a good list, had to rebuild since, and that wasn't quite able to get the chocolates. I think that would be a bit of a legacy killer too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but just a, yeah, just a fun one. That's what I'd do. I'm surprised you didn't say the Saints because of their up-and-comers. Hunter Clark, Connolly. <laughs> Connolly. No, look, we're, we're, uh, we're out and out, down and out this year, but uh, we'll be back. And speaking of we'll be back, we are 12 rows back, covering the footy every week. We really want you to send your material in. So if you are driving, like we always say, pull over. I know I've spoken to people that I've asked to do that. Please just do it. You know, we, we were at dinner together and I mentioned sending a question. So please, please send your questions in and we will read them out. Recommend us to a friend and we will catch you next week. Seb, anything to go out on? No, no. Well surmised, Tom. Uh, exciting week and three big games for some clubs and uh, we'll all watch the race for the eight. <laughs> <laughs>